hello. Welcome back to Operations and Optimization. I always forget, forgot what our podcast is named. I'm, I'm, I'm Mika, by the way. And uh, welcome back, James. Hey, thanks, Mika. Thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me back again after my last <laughs> rant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, it's we good. We didn't get fed up yet with each other. Uh, <laughs> That's good. No. Yeah. And, and forgetting the name of the podcast. Okay. We, we did one one recording. This is, I think, uh, maybe the first proper one yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Sounds good to and, me. And today I was thinking about the topic as sand management. What's the fuss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you yeah. might understand why because we recently for Roxol held this tech talk on on sand management or how this can unlock production potential and is a huge source for uh, critical issues uh, in terms of uh, operability shutdowns emissions etc so uh, maybe we start there and um, maybe some of your reflections on on that tech talk and and now i'm not asking for a 50 page report here james but (laughs) that's fine that's fine i I shall try not to give one this time i mean yes we had the tech talk on uh, sand management uh, about a week and 10 days ago um i think it was quite eye-opening in the fact that there are a lot of ways in which operating companies design companies that look at sand management um, but sometimes it isn't taken, I won't be honest, I don't think it's taken seriously in the design stage or the early age of operation mm-hmm. as it should be. Um, I think if the reservoir engineers indicate that there's a huge problem potential with sand or the reservoir is like to be a heavy sand producing reservoir, things will be done in terms of downhole stuff to try and mitigate the sand treatment, which is fine. And that's good to do that part. But the issue you have is obviously with maturer fields and with more water coming, and that helps the transportation of the sand. If on day one you didn't consider sand to be a big issue, we may not have put in any mitigation strategies, which could be downhole with gravel packs or the sand screens or sand jetting or sand knockout vessels on the top side. They may have been removed from the design because they weren't required. Um, And trying to put them back in later on is obviously more of a challenge. But also, if they were conceived as, yes, let's put them in, maybe they haven't been used um, because they weren't needed. Sand was not a problem in the production in the early stage. Um, and that was also an issue, I think, with when you look at additional wells or completing different zones in wells, different tiebacks, you know, all kinds of things that go on in terms of fields now to try and increase their life, but also try and increase the productivity through them, that that can change the risk profile associated with sand management Um, and maybe then it becomes a bigger problem. Um, I think you know for for most of the the people there were looking at it in terms of the the, the failures associated with sand Um, and some of the biggest issues are um, to do with um, erosion okay equipment um, which is something that people don't necessarily think about um, it may be that we're not seeing sand deposition inside vessels because the particle size of it is quite small. You know, I think as, as one, of the, one of the guys said, you know, typically stuff bigger than 150 microns will drop out. Yeah. 
Right. More than that, it's going to pass through. And it, yeah, it, it may be that it will be caught up in other vessels, but a lot of the small stuff, maybe the sub 10 micron, sub 20 micron stuff, is going to go into possibly the downhole area or into the reinjection system. If you've got a reinjection problem, like a reinjection scheme, and you're using produced water to go into that, it's going to cause issues because suddenly you're increasing the velocity, increasing the pressure, and you're forcing erosive particles through your pumps, through your pipelines, but also the volume which you're injecting can have a real detrimental effect on the amount of solid material you're putting into the reservoir. And I think as you know, as, as one of the, the, oper- the operating company, I don't know if we can say who they were, but anyway, they, they were on the panel, and they said they, there was a definite correlation or, or a link between the injectivity performance and obviously recovery which everyone's known about it, but it's actually been quantified quite well in a number of fields now. So the minute that the injection quality goes down or the injectivity goes down or the ability to inject goes down, there is a definite effect, a knock-on effect on the cost of the amount of oil that's being produced. And that is a direct loss. Um, now you can say, well, it's still, you know, and everyone can look at their own economics and look at it is where well, it's still oil in place and this is what it costs. It's not the same as produced oil. It's a different value, but right. it's still recoverable reserves, which we're not getting back. We're going to delay getting back. Um, and that's, and therefore you're also not meeting the optimized performance of the rest of your plant. So if you take it a whole holistic thing, injecting it at one end and then producing it somewhere else and producing somewhere else is if you're doing something at one end and affecting it and then all the way through the process is causing problems or it's reducing efficiency then it's something you need to seriously look at and that was that was one of the major issues there yeah and i think i mean of course having been to facilities like we both have mm-hmm. and, and seeing on on uh, let's say process vessels separators mm-hmm. and and uh, suddenly how big issues there can be with sand production and and filling let's yeah. say the, the vessels or the accumulation of this and so it's it's not astonishing to see kind of the operator data no. was shared in the tech talk too that oh process vessels and tanks along with instrumentation yes. what what a huge uh, trace for for these failure events it is actually it is. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. I mean, if, if again, if you if, if you assume that you're getting some sort of deposition inside a vessel, you're going to lose performance in terms of your lost residence time. The reason why you built the vessel in the first place, and that's uh, thing there. Obviously, you've got different yeah, fluid um, vo- volumes and percentages. So therefore, the separation time, retention time may be different anyway. But the fact is that you you are losing space to do that part. But also, if, it, if it's beginning to clog or cause issues around. Um, the the instrumentation or it's causing issues around the valves coming the vessel the liquids coming from the vessels etc is a big big problem um and that is you know and if you look at some of the wear that we've seen on, on lots of equipment i mean i've seen vessels that have been you know people said well we, we think we've got a problem when you go into them um and there's tons and tons of this stuff and it's very very hard to remove because it probably has been laid down for a number of years and it's not just sand i mean that's the other problem we look at this it's not we say sand it's not just purely sand this can cause issues yeah. with reservoir fines it can be scale that's adhering to it, it can be waxes can be asphaltines can be lsa scale it can be normal scale so therefore we've got a huge issue then I mean, you have some radioactive material inside there to deal with in some fields now it can be condensate we have mercury as well adhering to the sand 
And that is a, another big issue. How do you separate those two out? And how do you handle them? Yeah. Um, and the rules and regulations around disposal, discharge of sand or solids from fields and vessels has changed dramatically. I mean, in the early days of the oil and gas industry, possibly a lot of it just went over the side and away. People clean the vessels and they went away. We now have rules about the quality of material being discharged from a platform has to be within certain specification. If you can't achieve that specification, a lot of people still even then don't want to discharge it. They will now ship it onshore and it has to be dis- cleaned up and treated then. So you can do that part. And there's a lot of equipment you can put in in order to, to do that part in terms of compacting it, making it cleaner, getting out your vessels. But if you've already got a problem in your vessel, putting that equipment in, you have to be able then to use it. And that's the other issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But James, is could it be? I mean, of course that. Yeah, the 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 profits can be enormous from this type of. I mean, uh, hydrocarbon production. Does mm-hmm. operational efficiency or or excellence really matter with sand management, which is so complex to to, to deal with? But can can we avoid that these days? Really, I'm. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, I would say probably in terms of people working out the financial risk analysis of doing sand or not doing sand management or sand treatment, I think probably has slipped down the top few ones uh-huh. we've got to look at. Yeah. Um, purely because everyone thinks, okay, we're going to produce sand, we're going to put in some mitigation strategy, or we've got this, and we'll do that part. But they don't really measure what the issue is associated with sand. Sand monitoring and sand measuring mm-hmm. is very difficult to do. Um, you can put in screens, as I say, you can do that to try and prevent it. But if you've still got small particles coming through and you've no idea the volume or the frequency or where they're coming from, it makes it very difficult to manage the problem. And that is the issue. How do you how do you how do you collect these samples representatively to get the information? And that's something that you need to look at in terms of you need to analyze why it is that or does your field have an issue with this? So there should be some sort of normal sampling campaign that goes on to look at this problem. You can use, and there's lots of different technologies you can put into to look at the presence of solid material going through, whether they're sand probes, whether it's clamp-on meters, whether it's erosion, you know, there's a variety of things you can do. You can do thermographic studies, but not all of those are going to work on every different application. And the big problem you have is if you have a larger inboard pipeline, and you're trying to measure acoustically sand coming through, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pick it up. It depends what it is. It also depends when it's coming through. Is it just during startups? Is it during normal operations? When is it? When is this sand coming through? And it could be a transient issue you've got. Um, and I think from, from some of the work we, we, we've done, or I've done over the years, um, and also I think some of the things the panelists said, was that very often people will do a campaign to go and look at sand or solid yeah. production in the system and very often sometimes it doesn't then relate back to how the system is running on that particular day it might be run <laughs> it might be run on a day when things are quiet and people have got time to go and do it and that may exactly. not represent normal production format so you need to look at your how you can analyze this and how well does that relate to how your field normally operates yeah. but if you've got a system in place that removes sand solids we'll call it sand because it makes it simple that way just call it sand from your your system people you need to use it um very often you know it's put in 
if I put one in, they put it in on day one. They may not have had a solid production problem for a few years, and therefore it's never been used. Yeah. So when you then go and start it up in anger because you actually need it, you're hoping it's still going to work. You're also assuming that the bottom part of the vessel isn't already clogged solidly. Correct. With, yeah. With, with material, and therefore, best jetting system in the world, if that's what you have inside your separator, is never going to remove that. Um, and also, what happens when it comes out of the vessel? It then has to go through pipe work, or has to go through valving to get to an area to be treated. That also has to be made sure that that's been cleaned and looked after as well. And it's important to look at that part. And I know that from, off, from my experience from a lot of operating companies, a lot of operators offshore do not like to use the sand jetting systems because they introduce water. And typically, if you go into the design of a sand jet system, one of the first questions you'll be asked is, how much water are you going to inject into the vessel? Yeah. And they want to keep that to a minimum. But that's counterintuitive. The less you inject, the less chance you've got of mobilizing this material and getting it out of the vessel. Um, so you have to put it in, but it can cause disruption to the separation process. So people need to look at how they do that, what's the interference, what can we do with that. But that goes also back to the whole instrumentation control for separators. If this is happening, understand what it does to your vessel and come up with a plan to make it work. And that is the simplest AI in the entire world, to be honest, it really is. Yeah. If I do X, I get Y. So every time I'm going to do X, I know what's going to happen. Work it out. Is there a way you can mitigate that strategy and do it? Or is there something you need to do? And that's that's something that's simple enough to do. But then you have to look at, and this is the, I mean, the thing about it is that, I'm off again now. But if you look at the way that sand is deposited or solids are deposited inside vessels, um, we're assuming and that we're going to have a not a complete distribution. It's going to be in areas. It's going to be in peaks. It's going to be in hills inside the vessel because you're looking at velocity, allowing this stuff to come down. It could be in cone shaped. Because if you look at the, the effects of the wall effects of the vessel on um, the velocity of the liquids going past, etc., you're going to the wall effect will slow things down, which will allow the droplets to come down. You're going to get this. So it could be you've actually got a sand jetting system as well that's actually working inside your vessel, but you're only treating the bottom part of the vessel. So you look at it and you're getting some sand out, but not a lot. But you could still also be having a large buildup up the side walls. And at some point, that will reach a critical size and force a heavier deposition in the middle. So you have to look at both things there when the sun's coming out, but maybe not just coming from the vessel. What, look at what's going into it and walk out in between. I know it's a difficult one to do that mass balance, but over a period of time, look at what's going into your system and what's coming out of your system. How well do those two correlate? Because if, it's, if there's a difference between them, it's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I think there is there's data experience mm -hmm. uh, available. Maybe also let's say instrumentation seems to be fragile. Yep. Uh, control systems should probably also be automated, and and of course yeah. with the digital transformation going on. Okay, are we gonna do offline sampling and every now and then try to run some kind of active sand management system? But I, I think probably the way is to you need to kind of automate this and have it run on a certain regular basis or maybe take that AI step and, and yeah. uh, let's say build that preventive model. 
yeah. runs. Yeah. I think that, that that probably is the way we have to look at this part. It has to be part of uh, the normal operation of the the asset, not something that's abnormal oh. or something that needs additional planning. It needs, to, but it also needs then to be easy and simple to, to go and do. And I think that's what we need to start looking at is how um, the strategy of solids management goes on. If we have a, a scale problem inside a vessel or, or from a field, we'll put in a scale mitigation strategy and do that part and we'll manage it through. Same with waxes or whatever. Um, we'll do something about it. We'll inject treatment chemicals, we'll measure their performance, we'll look at the waste deposition, we'll put on side streams, etc. We need to think about this with sand management and look at mm-hmm. seeing because you know, again, it's it's a problem we have with, let's say, even if you have wellhead desanding, um, mm-hmm. which is capture a lot of it there. Typically, that those that equipment, you know, I'm being very general here. That a lot of that equipment will not record time events. There'll be no historical data associated with how that sand comes down. It will just simply be we've now got X pounds x tons of sand inside this vessel we need to clean out or it goes into automatic clean out if you can measure how the sand is depositing over a period of time when it's coming down you can then go back to why it's being produced there and are you capturing it and again it goes back to there are techniques available to do this use them and look at them and work out what they are and and where to put them in to get the best measurement you can because if you're recording something and you you've got a waste stream in your system and it's it, it's there you need to know what it is you need to know how much it is and you need to get rid of it um and without understanding that part you really can't manage it at all i don't i don't understand that part how you can do that part but also you need to look at the type of technology you're going to use because sand has said to you is not going to come down alone it's going to come down with waxes it's going to come down with asphaltines it's going to come down with it's going to come so you have a huge issue associated with how some of these technologies work and various things there and this also goes back to the whole sand removal systems inside 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 vessels and things like that you need to look at the best performance ones i mean very simplistic ones could be just a crimped spray nozzle inside there um, yeah. which is okay because it will direct the flow onto everything but the minute that those crimped nozzles get even slightly blocked you immediately um, destroy their efficiency but also the fact is that they're spraying uh, i've seen this on a number of us they're spraying on a continuous point all the time and that can cause impingement and actually loss of material inside the vessel so you can end up with a problem in your vessel because your sand jetting system is actually causing pitting inside the vessel yeah yeah, yeah. exactly but so I think, I mean, talking with operators too, James, I mean, they said, well, uh, is sand really an issue? I mean, they said, well, it, it's it's not a problem until it is a problem. Yeah. But I think that's very, in my opinion, somewhat passive to, to put it that way, because I think it's also an opportunity, because if you look at, if you handle it uh, in an active way and, and kind of get rid of it and say that this is actually a top issue, it can actually result in in uh, very high efficiencies, um, good operational excellence, uh, very good production rates, and you remove also this type of let's say other equipment related issues, unexpected shutdowns, yeah. and and uh, let's say the, all the carbon emission management. Yeah. I don't think 
talked very much about, let's say, the carbon emission side or the no. shutdown effects, but the, the topic was so focused on, on, on the, let's say, uh, sand management as such. But I think when you say that, oh, but yeah, sand is not just sand. Maybe we need more, in a sense, forensic analysis or let's say understanding from instrumentation Yes. In terms of what's moving in a vessel, where is it? Yeah. What's going on? And and uh, perhaps we we should do some additional testing ourselves. Yeah. In Rosal. I mean, with with our, it's not a magic wand, but we we can see quite 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 some things with with our technology. Uh, yeah, we can do, and I think that's something we need to do in terms of if we can help customers differentiate between. The various types of issues they've got would be ideal. Some of them, we need to do some work with that. We need to work with a customer on that basis and say, right, okay, let's put it in here. Let's see what we build up. But let's also take samples of what you've got here and how well does it compare with what we're currently seeing and try and develop um, a more sophisticated tool. At the moment, I mean, the fact is, if you look at where, I mean, it's like everything else we do. Um, We need to look at the best places on the system actually monitor and collect the data and that's where you know this needs to be addressed and from day one you can say okay we're going to do x y and z we'll put it in here whatever um put it in i mean it's for the for the for the the cost of doing uh, an installation of a few sensors probes for looking at sound management it's not a big investment from day one um but the challenges, as you said, are huge. If you have to then have a shutdown for three to five days in terms of digging out a vessel, taking a vessel offline and reducing production, you've instantly recovered that. I know it comes off a different budget. And this is where you go back to that all great discussion everyone's always had about the life cycle costs um, versus CapEx versus OpEx, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it needs to come into that. But I think there's also reluctance in some ways in the marketplace, and this is over the thing is that I think when it comes to sand, people have assumed that you can't do anything in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's a problem, we have to deal with it. You know, there's not much we can do. We know it's always gonna be there. But on day one, if it's gonna come from a reservoir, there are things we've done by that part. But if later on, we've gone, okay, we just have to treat this and just handle it. But I think if you can do that part and understand it, there are ways of actually reducing that. And that goes back to your whole thing there about performance efficiencies, uptime, not having flaring, not having to do things because your system is under pressure, or oh, that's a terrible word to use, that, not under pressure, is non-optimally running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we don't want. You don't want, you know, ultimately you don't want wells closed in um, because you can't produce from them because that makes no sense at all. You've spent the money on them. Let's try and get as much through as we possibly can. But at the same time, make sure we maintain inside the limitations we can do. I mean, you know, we've talked about this, you know, for various things. I mean, I've worked on a number of um, fields and projects over the years. I, mean, I remember one we worked in Norway, where they're producing 12 tons a month. Half of that was radioactive scale and half was chalk. Yeah. Um, we're putting a strategy in place there with them to capture that, basically reduce the comp- reach the, reduce the volume of it, so that it was handled to be taken away. There was nothing we could do about separating the two out at the time. But we've just been able to capture the data associated with that. I worked on another one. We we're looking at um, high levels of um, um, it, of solid material being injected, uh, being produced and deposited inside the tanks. Um, there's a lot of this stuff 
sometimes it goes over into other areas. And this was a heavy mercury-laden um, right. field. Yeah. And they were producing somewhere around 100 tons of mercury a year. 100 tons, wow. 100 tons okay. of mercury a year. And what their, what their thing was actually to allow it to precipitate out, or allow it to settle out inside um, the tanks, inside the vessel, and then periodically go in and clean them out. Oh, I see. Okay. But they had no real idea how much was coming down, where it was coming down from, or wherever else. So it was basically a piece of guesswork. So it was a real... Yeah, it was but, I, yeah. but of course, I think... Yeah, I, I know this too. It's it's fragmented, or let's say um, still a silo mentality, capex, opex, or even between the ESG side on this. Who's care taking care of what? But I think we have to look at the big picture and and bring this together, yeah. and, and uh, look at it that way. But also, what I think there 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 needs to be a step up in terms of. Um, doing more intelligent, let's say, uh, testing, development, maybe also this type of, actually, to, to, through AI or machine learning around this. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that would be really interesting to think, actually yeah. do something on. We're going to have to go down that route. I mean, the yeah. fact that you're looking at, assuming that we're going to continue on with, with mature field development, we're going to produce more and more sand. We're looking for minimum amount of manpower on facilities. We're looking for um, trying to reduce the size, if we produce any more fields, et cetera, reducing the size, if we give the FPSOs, reducing the impact that they have and what they do, et cetera. So we're gonna have to look at all the things that go into that. So if solids are causing issues with the process and that's causing issues with environmental performance, then you need to look at that part. But also if you're reducing the number of people offshore, then it has to become automated and you have to look at how you're gonna manage it. Um, because no one's going to want to mobilize large crews and no, no. one's going to want to um, have to continually ship things to other places to be treated. Because the minute you bring it on shore, and let's be honest, the cost rockets um, upwards oh, yes. in terms of handling that because the guys on shore have to handle it. Um, and it's not in their eyes the environment that has to be then met the specifications of what they're going to do with this material afterwards. Um, so it's, it's always been a challenge for that part. And you're looking at the right sort of companies that can do it ethically. Um, what do you do with that part? And no one really wants to have And If you look at a lot of the stuff in terms of the decommissioning part, um, I think one of the biggest problems that some of the companies are facing is that the amount of material that is in and around the platform that needs to be removed over the years and be taken away, that's also a huge cost. Okay, there's nothing we can do about that now, but it is going to be impact. So all we're going to see, I think, is that over the next few years is a slow increase, well, rapid increase in the ability to handle this material onshore, mm -hmm. yeah. to deal with it. So therefore, you want to make sure that volume is as low as possible and as clean as possible so that you don't have to have huge costs. And that, but that again comes off a different budget. That comes off OPEX. Doesn't come off Yeah, yeah. Now we're back there again. Yeah. We are back there again, but that's where it all comes down to. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's the, when you're doing the CapEx part of it, yes, You've got a budget to try and get everything in by. You want to get it on field because it's all money that's being cost up front. You're not producing anything, so all the money is coming out from somewhere. Um, and that costs money. And it, it having borrowing money costs money and producing stuff beforehand, it causes huge issues. Um, but the longer term scenario is it's going to cost you money longer down the line. And that then can affect the bottom line of whether or not the field's still viable. Yeah. Are our wells still viable? 
Um, and, you know, do they go, okay, well, we can't produce those wells because we don't have the capacity or our system isn't geared up for it, we can't control it, or they're problematic, then let's close them in. Then you've still got the cost of the decommissioning those wells and, and returning them. So it's not, you know, just by not doing anything doesn't actually help you at all either. No, exactly. And I mean, still, yeah, uh, there's this drive with, uh, let's say, the changing the energy mix, decarbonization, yep. or carbon neutral. I still think, I mean, we're going to have oil production for many years to come. So these are also complex problems. We should look at how we can make it better and more efficient. And I think also the panelists we had in the tech talk, I mean, they said that, well, the industry needs to come together. We need technology innovation. Yes. And we need to look at the whole value chain and, and life cycle. Mm-hmm. And we can't just separate CapEx and OPEX and, and ESG as, as no. various elements, not caring about the, the, the whole of it. And so it is also complex and, and, and challenging to do that. But um, I, I, I'm i very certain that that's the way we have to go. Yes, and, do. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we talked about in the last one, and the fact is that, you know, for years to come now, we're still going to be producing, whether it's gas, I mean, we, we may say we're going to reduce oil because we can stop a lot of, um, you know, sure. the, 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 a lot of the sources which we use crude oil for. But we're still going to be producing gas because gas is still going to be part of the energy mix. It's going to have to be because um, the life cycle or the time to build, let's say, if we go with nuclear, to build a nuclear power plant, get it up and running in that, it's not one year, not two years, No, you know, it's 10, it's 20. It takes time, yeah, exactly. Coming up to speed and then that part. Um, and also where are you going to build them? You know, there's this, this a whole, I mean, that, I agree that we need a, a complete mix and I'm not doing that and I've worked on some nuclear plants in the past as well. And yes, we need to have them, but where you put them, but then also what you do with uh, the issues associated with the waste for that is a different question. We'll get, that's, a, that's a separate discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, I'm sure with the UK we've we've had um, lots of discussions about that in the past um, about the sites for storing um, long-term radioactive waste. Um, but it's, it's not the only place. Yeah, it's, it is. But also, as we've seen in various other countries, is sometimes where the location of those plants is not necessarily where the ideal place for them to be is because of environmental conditions. Fukushima, for instance, are probably are a it's probably a wrong place to build one, given the issue that could have happened, which was a in tsunami. Oh, yeah. Nobody could have seen it, but it potentially was like, okay, well, where are you going to build it? Basically on top of a mountain, but then you've got issues. No, that's a different suggestion. We're going to have that part, so we have to still have a mix here. So for the next yeah. foreseeable future, we're going to do this. But all I can say is that I think the focus on the, uh, when you're talking about the oil and gas industry over the next few years is going to be very, very intense. And we need to start thinking about, okay, how do we reduce the impact of the oil and gas industry as it stands at the moment? Because we're still going to need it. Um, so let's look at what we can do. And this is, a, in some ways, it's, I'm going to say it's a simple one. It's a simple one, but it requires work and requires thinking about. I think the technologies are there to a certain degree. There's some things that need to be developed. But I think there's a basic building blocks at the moment that we could use to improve the performance again for the assets. And the minute you improve the performance, then you reduce their impact realistically. I think those words are, uh, let's say, good, good, good ending to this episode. Okay. Uh, 
yeah so uh, and but at the same time i i think we have to continue discuss let's say these operational issues and also sand oh yeah, so, yeah. i mean there's there's, there's there's issues throughout the entire process um, mm-hmm. oh yeah sand is just one we talked about emulsions we talked about um but we haven't really gone into the gas stream yet in terms of how to no. improve that um, dehydration of gas, solids build up in gas. You know, there's a whole variety of different areas there we can go in to look at. But the whole process needs to be looked at. I mean, it was it was probably a lot easier beforehand in the fact that yeah, you had big, huge structures producing a lot. We had the ability to produce and switch off wells, etc. We don't really have that quite the same anymore. So we need to optimize what we're currently utilizing or what we've currently got, make it work efficiently, reduces impact improved performance so we have a lot more to talk about (laughs) yep absolutely absolutely so hopefully we're not boring the audience either i i i I do think this is really uh, exciting interesting and important to to bring up and 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 discuss so uh, maybe we'll have some future guests to the podcast and 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 doing some additional tech talks also I think it'd be good if we could do that. I mean, you know, this is just my, from my, from working on this, this is, you know, in this industry for quite some time. Um, and my experiences and various things there and talking to a lot of people involved in it. So getting other people in would be ideal because Jen is just not my, my view. Um, no, no, sure. Let's, let's bring, bring that uh, to, to, the, to the table too, of course. So uh, uh, I always enjoy talking and listening to you james despite what i tell you privately but it's thank you for that i appreciate it it's good to be able to say these things because sometimes it's it, yeah it's 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 been a yeah it's good fun i do it yeah yeah thank you for your time james hey no problem at all any time at all thank you